Lucifer by Anatole France. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Greg Marguerite. Lucifer by Anatole France. And so successful was Spinello with his horrible and portentous production that it was commonly reported, so great is always the force of fancy, that the said figure of Lucifer, trodden underfoot by St. Michael in the altarpiece of the church of St. Agnolo at Arizzo, painted by him, had appeared to the artist in a dream, and asked him in what place he had beheld him under so brutish a form. Lives of the Most Excellent Painters by Giorgio Vasari Life of Spinello Andrea Taffi, painter and worker in mosaic of Florence, had a wholesome terror of the devils of hell, particularly in the watches of the night, when it is given to the powers of darkness to prevail. And the worthy man's fears were not unreasonable, for in those days the demons had good cause to hate the painters, who robbed them of more souls with a single picture than a good little preaching friar could do in thirty sermons. No doubt the monk, to instill a soul-saving horror in the hearts of the faithful, would describe to the utmost of his powers that day of wrath, that day of mourning which is to reduce the universe to ashes, teste David et Sibylla, borrowing his deepest voice and bellowing through his hands to imitate the archangel's last trump. But there it was all sound and fury, signifying nothing. Whereas a painting displayed on a chapel wall or in the cloister showing Jesus Christ sitting on the great white throne to judge the living and the dead spoke unceasingly to the eyes of sinners and through the eyes chastened such as had sinned by the eyes or otherwise. It was in the days when cunning masters were depicting at Santa Croce in Florence and the Campo Santo of Pisa the mysteries of divine justice. These works were drawn according to the account in verse which Dante Alighieri, a man very learned in theology and in canon law, wrote in days gone by of his journey to hell and purgatory and paradise, whither by the singular great merits of his lady he was able to make his way alive. So everything in these paintings was instructive and true and we may say surely less profit is to be had of reading the most full and ample chronicle than from contemplating such representative works of art. Moreover, the Florentine masters took heed to paint under the shade of orange groves on the flower-starred turf fair ladies and gallant knights, with death lying in wait for them with his scythe, while they were discoursing of love to the sound of lutes and violas. Nothing was better fitted to convert carnal-minded sinners who quaff forgetfulness of God on the lips of women. To rebuke the covetous, the painter would show to the life the devils pouring molten gold down the throat of bishop or abbess, who had commissioned some work from him and then scamped his pay. This is why the demons in those days were bitter enemies of the painters and above all of the Florentine painters, who surpassed all the rest in subtlety and wit. 
chiefly they reproached them with representing them under a hideous guise, with the heads of bird and fish, serpent's bodies and bat's wings. This sore resentment which they felt will come out plainly in the history of Spinello of Arizzo. Spinello Spinelli was sprung of a noble family of Florentine exiles, and his graciousness of mind matched his gentle birth, for he was the most skillful painter of his time. He wrought many and great works at Florence, and the Pisans begged him to complete Giotto's wall-paintings in their Campo Santo, where the dead rest beneath roses in holy earth shipped from Jerusalem. At last, after working long years in divers cities and getting much gold, he longed to see once more the good city of Arizzo, his mother. The men of Arizzo had not forgotten how Spinello, in his younger days, being enrolled in the confraternity of Santa Maria della Misericordia, had visited the sick and buried the dead in the plague of 1383. They were grateful to him, besides, for having by his works spread the fame of their city over all Tuscany. For all these reasons they welcomed him with high honors on his return. Still full of vigor in his old age, he undertook important tasks in his native town. His wife would tell him, You are rich, Spinello. Do you rest and leave younger men to paint instead of you? It is meet a man should end his days in a gentle religious quiet. It is tempting God to be forever raising new and worldly monuments, mere heathen towers of Babel. Quit your colors and your varnishes, Spinello, or they will destroy your peace of mind. So the good dame would preach, but he refused to listen, for his one thought was to increase his fortune and renown. Far from resting on his laurels, he arranged a price with the wardens of St. Agnolo for a history of St. Michael that was to cover all the choir of the church and contain an infinity of figures. Into this enterprise he threw himself with extraordinary ardor. Re-reading the parts of scripture that were to be his inspiration, he set himself to study deeply every line and every word of these passages. Not content with drawing all day long in his workshop, he persisted in working both at bed and board, while at dusk, walking below the hill on whose brow Arizo proudly lifts her walls and towers, he was still lost in thought. And we may say the story of the archangel was already limed in his brain when he started to sketch out the incidents in red chalk on the plaster of the wall. He was soon done tracing these outlines. Then he fell to painting above the high altar the scene that was to outshine all the others in brilliancy. For it was his intent therein to glorify the leader of the hosts of heaven for the victory he won before the beginning of time. Accordingly, Spinello represented St. Michael fighting in the air against the serpent with seven heads and ten horns, and he figured with delight in the bottom part of the picture the Prince of Devils, Lucifer under the semblance of an appalling monster. The figures seemed to grow to life of themselves under his hand. His success was beyond his fondest hopes. So hideous was the countenance of Lucifer. None could escape the nightmare of its foulness. The face haunted the painter in the streets and even went home with him to his lodging. Presently, when night was come, Spinello lay down in his bed beside his wife and fell asleep. In his slumbers he saw an angel, as comely as St. Michael, but black. And the angel said to him, 
Spinello, I am Lucifer. Tell me, where had you seen me that you should paint me as you have under so ignominious a likeness? The old painter answered, trembling, that he had never seen him with his eyes, never having gone down alive into hell like Messer Dante Arigheri, but that in depicting him as he had done, he was for expressing in visible lines and colors the hideousness of sin. Lucifer shrugged his shoulders, and the hill of San Gemignano seemed of a sudden to heave and stagger. Spinello, he went on, will you do me the pleasure to reason a while with me? I am no mean logician. He you pray to knows that. Receiving no reply, Lucifer proceeded in these terms. Spinello, you have read the books that tell of me. You know of my enterprise, and how I forsook heaven to become the prince of this world. A tremendous adventure, and a unique one. Had not the giants in like fashion assailed the god Jupiter, as yourself have seen, Spinello, recorded on an ancient tomb where this titanic war is carved in marble? It is true, said Spinello. I have seen the tomb, shaped like a great tun, in the church of Santa Riparata at Florence. "'Tis a fine work of the Romans.' "'Still,' returned Lucifer, smiling, "'the giants are not pictured on it in the shape of frogs or chameleons or the like hideous and horrid creatures.' "'True,' replied the painter, "'but then they had not attacked the true god, but only a false idol of the pagans.' "'Tis a mighty difference. The fact is clear, Lucifer. You raised the standard of revolt against the true and veritable king of earth and heaven." "'I will not deny it,' said Lucifer. "'And how many sorts of sins do you charge me with for that?' Seven, it is like enough,' the painter answered. "'And deadly sins, one and all.' Seven, exclaimed the Angel of Darkness. "'Well!' The number is canonical. Everything goes by sevens in my history, which is close bound up with God's. Spinello, you deem me proud, angry, and envious. I enter no protest, provided you allow that glory was my only aim. Do you deem me covetous? Grant it again. Covetousness is a virtue for princes. For gluttony and lust, if you hold me guilty, I will not complain. Remains indolence. As he pronounced the word, Lucifer crossed his arms across his breast, and shaking his gloomy head, tossed his flaming locks. Tell me, Spinello, do you really think I am indolent? Do you take me for a coward? Do you hold that in my revolt I showed a lack of courage? Nay, you cannot. Then it was but just to paint me in the guise of a hero with a proud countenance. You should wrong no one, not even the devil. Cannot you see that you insult him you make prayer to when you give him for an adversary a vile, monstrous toad? Spinello, you are very ignorant for a man of your age. I have a great mind to pull your ears as they do to an ill-conditioned schoolboy. At this threat, and seeing the arm of Lucifer already stretched out towards him, Spinello clapped his hand to his head and began to howl with terror. His good wife, waking up with a start, asked him what ailed him. He told her with chattering teeth how he had just seen Lucifer and had been in terror for his ears.
told you so, retorted the worthy dame. I knew all those figures you will go on painting on the walls would end by driving you mad. I am not mad, protested the painter. I saw him with my own eyes, and he is beautiful to look on, albeit proud and sad. First thing tomorrow I will blot out the horrid figure I have drawn, and set in its place the shape I beheld in my dream. For we must not wrong even the devil himself. You had best go to sleep again, scolded his wife. You are talking stark nonsense, and unchristian to boot. Spinello tried to rise, but his strength failed him, and he fell back unconscious on his pillow. He lingered on a few days in a high fever, and then died. End of Lucifer by Anatole France